You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 90. What? 90. 90. Of the MXU podcast. The crazy thing about this podcast is that Lee and I are in the room together. We are. It's good to see you face to face. You too. And we are joined today by our good buddy, CJ Alvarado. And we're going to talk today about- Who's also in the same room. Who's also in the same Here room. Here I am. That's right. Yeah. So I'm, I happen to be in Sacramento. We're recording some videos for Waves, actually, that will be on their site as a course. And then we'll also have some of the content on the- MXU website, yep. and so we're excited about being able to do that with, in partnership with Waves this week, but we figured we can't waste an opportunity if we're in the same space to record a podcast together, so mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah. Sacramento's finest, CJ Alvarado here. I, I mean, I this is that, your... Guys. I don't know about that. This is your second appearance on the I think MXU so, yeah. podcast? Last time you were here, we were a week into lockdown. That's right. And yeah. we needed your help to tell us what every church should do. I don't know if we had anything figured we, out back then. I don't think we did. Let's recap this a little. <laughs> so a weekend, it was like pivot, yeah. go online, mm. you know, now's the time, all the things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put you on the spot now. What do you think we got right and what did we get wrong? Well, I mean, our situation was so unique because it was multiple campuses. Well, when I say we, I mean like the, the, church, at the, glo- okay. the church at large. I think I think by and large we thought just streaming whatever was in the box yeah. would translate. And I think when we looked at watch times, different platforms, I'm not sure that totally yeah. converted. I think breaking out of very hyper local communication, you know, join us in the courtyard this Tuesday at seven. Like I think that kind of thing, we just we underestimated just how much that folks online maybe just would tune out. You yeah. know? And I know there are a lot of savvy folks who just got that part figured out. But by and large, I think like there was a lot of programming that just did yeah. not translate. Yeah. Well, I mean, we saw churches the first month of lockdown. We we had 350,000 yeah. views. Oh my gosh, I'm Stephen Furtick now. <laughs> Woo! And then by June, it was like freaking crickets online. Yeah. What do you why do you think that happened? Well, I mean, if you think about it, like arguably at a hundred thousand churches all entering the market, so to speak. Yeah. So I mean, like everybody got in there and then it was like, and they all found Mike Todd and verdict. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Wait a minute. True. There's other places out there doing this a lot better than my church. I'm going to check them out instead. Yeah. Seriously. The experiences I think were just so different, yeah. you know, and, and that's part of the challenge. And we're, we're still going to be dealing with that, yeah. you know, online. Like I think, Folks are going to have to figure out how to find things that are uniquely suited to them and that meet needs and solve problems. And that can be really exciting on one hand, but I think it, it also can be a little scary because that means something may be changing, yeah. right? Uh, so, yeah, but we learned a lot, man, in that season, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, so then when doors started to open back up, then it, it, to me it felt like, oh, people just wanted to be back at church, that's really why they stopped watching because the, the online experience was so different mm-hmm. than being in those rooms. It well, was so only- many people were craving any kind of personal yeah. interaction and mm-hmm. engagement. You know, yeah. being able to stand next to each other and being able to sing together. Yeah, being able to, you know, say hi to each other in person. I right. mean, it was just such a. Uh, everybody missed it so much. That yeah. they were craving that personal contact. So I think it just, you know, it was. People were just wanting to get back together. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, there was there was a bit of like folks kind of going stir crazy, wanting to get out. What's interesting though, like now, depending on who you talk to, there's still a percentage of folks who haven't come back. Right. Right. So that's I'm where going, I was about to go. Who's talking about the twenty to thirty percent? And I get it that there's some folks who are like, we're we're we've grown or everyone's back. I'm not sure if that's totally true. That's such BS. Right? But there is a percentage of, a large percentage of folks who actually were like, I can dig yeah. just listening to church while I'm on a hike yeah. or on my Peloton or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure they're coming back. No, that's true. The, the ones that have come back and they were energized by coming back, they, they're back, but they're coming back less. Mm-hmm. So instead less of frequently, yeah, instead of yeah. once every three weeks, now it's like once every six, 
because I think they went, you know, even three months of no church changed people's lives and the, the rhythm of their lives. Like even like working has changed. You know, some people are still working from home. It's remote. It's I go into the office sometimes. I take Tuesdays off now and I work a little on the weekend. Like everything changed. Yeah. So I think that's kind of It's what, all habit forming. Yeah. This time, this was habit forming, forming in a sense. Like you guys probably DoorDash more. You probably order groceries, you know, Instacart or whatever more. Bro, DoorDash is so expensive. It is. It but is do you do so it? expensive. Do you use it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I the first time though I stopped because it was so expensive yeah, was this terrible. week. I'm sitting here in in this office by myself and I'm just like chugging away, making some like podcast plans. And I'm like, I'm just gonna order a sandwich from Beach Hut Deli. Okay. Which is like right down the road. And the sandwich, it's an expensive sandwich. It's like a $14 sandwich. But then you click click here click here add to yeah. cart and then 36 dollars. how did oh that happen God. service fee delivery fee right. gratuity yeah convenience Man. fee and i was like no so i got my car and drove and <laughs> yeah. got it but it's wow. expensive it's expensive you guys remember a company called Webvan? oh yeah back in the mid 90s yeah. it was like the mm-hmm. grocery delivery like service. a swan's truck no Web- it was like Really? Grocery store, and it went belly up. It was part of the bust. Like when the crash happened, the whole, you know, internet bubble, when it it burst around 2000, it was one of the casualties. Nothing like a global pandemic to make Mm -hmm. something like Webvan have a time, you know? So now Instacart and the grocery delivery stuff, it's like we had never done grocery delivery until, you know, halfway through the pandemic. And it was like, right, this is pretty cool. It is. But if $36 sandwiches are off the table, it's pretty cool. Right. Mm-hmm. You can order $36 farmer's market produce yeah. from your local Kroger and uh, make your own sandwich. Yeah. Okay. But that's not the reason we have CJ on here today. So a couple weeks ago, um, CJ invited me to an online meetup with some other entrepreneurs and some leaders. And you, it's really a mentor group. And you had a topic that you wanted to talk about that night. And it hit home. Hmm. And I think it applies to a lot of our listeners. And this idea of winning the room, no, sorry, getting in the room, winning the room, and then staying in the room. Yeah. And what that means. So give us the 100,000 foot of that conversation. And then let's, let's dig into this a little bit. Yeah. So the majority of the decisions that affect us or when we present ideas and those ideas leave us and go somewhere, usually in the room, uh, the majority of those decisions that affect us basically happen when we're not in the room. That's the big idea. So if you think about it, promotions, raises, who chooses your your proposal over a competitor's, uh, whose, resor- whose department gets more resources, uh, or whatever it is. All of that yeah. stuff happens when we're not in the room. Yep. And so over the span of your career, it doesn't matter how good you are. You will predominantly be trying to get in the room, win the room, or stay in the room. If you're in the room right now, all it takes is your key contact. If you're a vendor, especially, you yeah. have a key contact at a church. As soon as your key contact goes, gets another job, you're, you're right back trying to win the room or yep. stay in the room or even get back in it, mm-hmm. right? The executive pastor you're, you're buddies with, you guys golf all the time that person he or she leaves. And you're always kind of doing that, one of those three things. So what I found though, was that the majority of folks don't pay much attention to what it takes to get in the room, win it, and stay. They just kind of believe this myth that if they work hard, things work out. But the truth is we know a lot of smart people. And this is so true on the technical side. Brilliant people who work really hard, who feel like they're constantly fighting to be heard, they are constantly feeling underpaid, under-resourced. What gives, right? So for me, this whole group has been about having conversation about how do we get in the room? How yep. do we win it when we're in there? And then how do we stay? This is so brilliant. I like, know. And Jeff hasn't heard any of this. Okay. So like, I know kind of where we're going in the conversation. So I'm so glad he can hear this for the first time. So what's your initial impressions of that? Well, just how practical these ideas are going to be for our audience. Because so many people who listen to this have to fight for leverage in a conversation Mm -hmm. about budgets or 
new purchases or how to lead up to an executive team that may not think that they're even deserving of being in the room. And yet they're the only person who can ask the right questions once they're a part of the conversation. So, you know, encouraging folks around best practices of how to make this practical, I think is going to be Mm. a game changer for a lot of our guys. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but the, the whole idea of perception yeah. Is that next in this conversation? It's a big part of it. So you can't get in the room without understanding perception. There's a few things that, you know, I, I like to look at. Perception is one of them. The people that we are aligned with, you you need either mentors, sponsors, or advocates, which we could break down. And then the way you communicate your idea, the pitch. So it's kind of the three Ps, perception, people, pitch, or presentation. None of these actually require us to do anything super sophisticated, right? So you you can talk everyday language with this stuff. It's not like you need to have a 30-slide PowerPoint every time. It's just more like, how are you being a little bit more intentional? So the first is perception. Perception, most folks think, is just the way that I present myself. So if I'm a tech director, audio director, hey, just talk right, dress right, I don't know, present yourself in a certain way that, that... works and we're done. So when you you say perception, you're talking about how you are perceived by the people who are hearing you speak or interacting with you. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So So it's not your perception of them or trying to guess at what they're about. It's really about their perception of who you are and how you carry yourself. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And what you, what you're about a lot of times, what, what I, what I share with friends is, you know, your, the brand of you or the perception of you is in the boardroom before you're in the boardroom, before you're in that room, the perception about you, not just how you carry yourself. Do you understand the organization's objectives? Are you strategic? Do you seem like a great leader? There's all these ideas floating around about us that we, we generally don't invest much time in figuring out yet. Perception is, is the co-pilot to reality, right? I walked into a room one time I was running late. I got handed two sheets of paper, front and back were names, first and last. I knew exactly what was going to happen in this meeting. They were about to decide with a small group who was going to stay on the bus and who needed to be part of a round of layoffs. The only thing working for those names was the perception around those names. <laughs> you That's didn't it. know any of those people? I, no, I knew you'd some You'd never of them. met them before. There were people on there that you'd never seen. That's it. And all you have is a name. Yeah, there's four or five people in the room <laughs> basically going, we got to go through this list. Now, that seems really harsh, and it probably is. It, you know, like, But when we think about how organizations work, how quickly leaders, they have such finite amount of attention, right? So even if they're looking at your video upgrade project that's happening on the agenda, there's 10 other things that senior leaders probably having to give their attention to as well. You're so, talking to 99% of the people listening right now. Okay. So I'm not saying I can guarantee the victory, but I can guarantee that over time, if you pay attention to those three things, your batting average will go up. <laughs> your win rate will go up, right? So the first thing is that perception. What is it? Perception breaks down into two very simple things. Your presentation, how you present yourself, talk. And and this is relative to your organization. Some organizations are super lax and chill. So you don't need to get in a three-piece suit or anything like that, right? But you just pay attention to how you carry yourself. The second, and maybe the most important, is the baggage of the beholder. So Say that again? The baggage of the beholder. So here's the thing. That's a big deal. You're the executive pastor. Yep. And I'm the video director. Okay. I come to you and I go, we need to update our cameras. First thing they're going to say is, how much does it cost? hundred grand. Okay, whatever that is. Yeah. That's how I present my idea. By and large, I've been in the rooms where I've heard these things presented. And that's a lot of times how as simple as it's presented. Yeah. Well, the the guy I'm talking to may have certain experience that he or she's collected over the years in working with tech people. Yep. Uh, they're always looking for the most expensive thing to buy. Yeah. That's a perception. I went on Alibaba and I found an LED wall for 30 grand. This fool telling me $300,000 for an LED wall. What about this thing I can get on a boat from China? It's going to be backed up in Long Beach for a year, but I can still get it. This stuff's happening all the time. Yeah. Or even worse, the guy who was here as the tech director before this guy did things a certain way Mm -hmm. and acted a certain way. And so my perception of him is a holdover to now my perception of the new guy some of which may not even be true, but 
we have these assumptions that we make or presumptions that we make based on all kinds of experiences that may have nothing to do with the current conversation, but that's still the perception. That's, that's right. That's the baggage that you're talking that's about. That's the baggage. Wow. And most of the time, we don't know what the various leaders in the room, all you got to do first is think about your boss and the people, the decision makers in the room at first, right? Or the main ones. What is the baggage that they carry around whatever group yeah. you're working in? How do you so, find out what that is or do you? Yeah. So you, you, there's a whole framework, you know, I call, I call it land, L-A-N-D, listen, ask, navigate, demonstrate, but you have to listen. And people are giving these clues away all the time. Like, uh, Lee's coming in the meeting. Oh, Lee's a good guy, man. That guy's working on these projects. He's doing it. Like you hear the way people talk and they give you hints. I love, you know, Joe, he's a great leader, but he's a little timid. That that's all telling you something yeah. about how people perceive you. And here's the crazy thing. People tend to treat you the way that they perceive you, not the way that you perceive you. So maybe you feel like, I work super hard for this organization. I, I have blood, sweat, and tears for this organization. Constantly want to see it grow. They may not see you that way. They may see you as like- Lazy. He's never around. Or what does he do? Yeah. What does this guy do? I never see him because he's always in the auditorium in the back doing something with Gosh, all those wires. Yeah, you just don't know. So it's so <laughs> important to listen if you can- just turn that on and then to ask. It's as simple as asking. You know, for managers, I steal the Andy Stanley thing. I think it's brilliant where he says, like, what's it like to lead on the other side of me? What's it like, mm -hmm. you know, being on the other side of me and my leadership is a great prompt to use when you've got direct reports. Or, you know, I, I, I now I tell people there's not a single client or uh, a, a person I'm working with where I don't have an idea of like, what do you guys really perceive is happening here? What do you think about me? What do you think about our organization? How do you feel? like, I'm constantly trying to assess for that. So listening and asking are two really simple ways. You just find most people don't do that. We don't think to really do that. Hmm. So you have a lot of, unfortunately, talented, hardworking people who are really frustrated, maybe even disenfranchised a bit with leadership in their organizations yep. because they keep running into this like wall. But they don't really ever take the time to figure out how do you view my group, right? And and Christopher Bach at DigiDesign, God bless his soul, he he passed. He's the one who taught me this. He said, I'll never forget. He's like, before you go and you pitch this marketing meeting, we were. It was when Venue was about to launch and the team was getting ready to pitch some stuff. He said, you need to address the business objectives, like as a part of the creative team address how this is going to help the business objectives first. Because the reason is when that doesn't happen, which is most of the time, creatives come in and pitch these like, we want to do text message campaigns. And people are like, that sounds stupid. Yes. It just sounds like creatives want to do something they think is cool. That's mm -hmm. not going to work. Yeah, the perception in the room at that time between some of the main decision makers where the creatives were just these guys interested in the fluffy stuff. The fluffy stuff was literally words that I'd heard. So I had to go in there and be like, before we even get started, everything we've, we are about to present to you is addressing three major things. The growth of this new product, making sure that we raise revenues by X amount. All of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, these, yeah. guys, these guys are, are getting it. They're, yeah. they're, they're talking our language. Now I didn't know all the language, but at least I could set the frame yeah. early and let them know, here's how we're thinking about what we're about to present to you. That's so good. Okay, so let's put that in practical terms yeah. for technical leaders. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things to convince leadership and church that they need to do is a new PA because people hear things differently, and especially with a PA, it's like, well, what's wrong with the one we got? Mm -hmm. When you may know that what that band is doing on stage, even the way the pastor is communicating, if you had an updated PA with new technology, it really would be more effective. But how do you translate that to a group of executive pastors, board members, senior pastors? Yeah, great question. I mean, this is what most tech guys are going to run into because it's not everyone has the same perceived value on the equipment side of things. Right. Uh, so again, I would, I would want to dive into the perception first. If I'm leading that team and I've got to basically pitch this, this idea that we need a you know, some gear that's going to be a million dollars or whatever it is. Yeah. I want to understand what that perception is and deal with that right away. At least mention it. Uh, so we take care of that. 
then what I think you need to do is you need to really figure out what is the problem that this is really solving. And I don't think we spend a lot of time around that. Now, the problem may be better sound, okay? But the beholder is going to go, I don't know if that's the problem I see. So what I always tell people is look for tier one problems, tier one problems, and try to relate what you're doing to tier one problems. Tier one problems are the kind of problems everybody loses sleep over. Your boss, yeah. the senior pastor, is losing sleep over something, right? Got it. What is that? Volume complaints by givers that give a lot of money. Sure, maybe. Or maybe it's something like we're moving into an uncertain future. There's a chance 30% of our congregation doesn't come back. We want to make sure the experience they get online is the best possible. In order for us to set ourselves up for that kind of a future, we need to retool. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not saying it's perfect. But it's yeah. different than we need a new board. Right, right, right. <laughs> because if you don't have that level of specificity and that level of that tier one sense of urgency, yeah. then there's no way people are going to want to sign up for a million-dollar idea mm-hmm. that may not change anybody's perception. That's it. Yeah. Or even a $30 plug-in to detune your snare drum. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if $30 is a big sacrifice for your church, yeah. You still have to communicate that in the same way someone would for a million dollar PA. Mm-hmm. You got to think about like attention is so finite that if you're not, and this is the third piece, but pitching your idea in a way that shows it can be a solution to someone's biggest problems, it's hard to even expect anyone to give you attention. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's just, yeah. That's so good. So back to the perception yeah. thing and the baggage. So we had listen and ask. What was the N and the D again? Navigate. So Navigate. when you listen and you ask, a lot of times folks realize what I, how I perceive myself or want to be perceived or my team to be perceived is not how it's currently being perceived. So you have to navigate that. And that takes a lot of intentionality. So what I'll do with a lot of teams or leaders or even brands is go, what are the three things you do want to be known as? And these should be true to you, authentic to your team, authentic to you as individuals, once you figure that out. So for me, it's creative, but strategic. I want those two things to always be there or innovative and strategic, Yeah, you know, and then empathetic. So a nice guy to generally work with. So those three things I'm constantly reinforcing. Yes, I'm going to give real creative ideas and innovative ideas, but they need to be strategic to the business. So that's how we navigate that. Yeah, And then D is demonstrate. You have to be intentional about driving that home and showing people, demonstrating how what our team did this year in this new gear, how it's creating a better experience, which is effectively, you know, affecting some end result that they care about. Because that changes your perception for the next time this, this happens. So if you do get the new PA and you can come at the end of the year and say, hey, we had a 50% decrease in volume complaints. We gave out X amount less earplugs and then show reports like, the low frequency in our room from this side of the room to this side of the room is now a two dB difference where mm-hmm. it used to be 11. Yeah. Like showing that data. Yep. Yeah. And that exactly. just builds so much credibility so that next time, a couple of years from now, when it's time for a house light upgrade or a yeah. new lighting console or something like that, the leadership team has built a track record with you mm-hmm. that says, gosh, this guy does his homework. He cares about stewardship. Last time around, this went great. So, hey, the perception at that point is automatically shifted a little bit Mm -hmm. and you have less to overcome maybe. Absolutely. That's cool. So what about the person who really struggles because of a lack of self-awareness? Like they just, they don't, they don't have a good sense of how they're being perceived because there are a lot of church scenarios where there's just assumptions that are made about the tech director, whether it's a, an abrasiveness or a mm-hmm. difficult to work with or an us and them mentality or you know some things that really are wrong that the person who's being perceived just doesn't have the awareness of. Like how do you, how do you coach people to be willing to go there, to, to literally say, okay, what is it like to be on the other side of me with their peers? And be okay with an honest answer. Yeah. Self-awareness is a tough one because some days it seems like you either have it or you don't, you know, (laughs) but, but, uh, to answer your question, 
having some people in your life that can speak truth to you, you know, is really important that, that can help you on that, uh, that, you know, will, will challenge directly, but like care personally, that's the two pillars that I tend to Mm. try to encourage teams like challenge. Yes. In tech, you can't BS. You got to figure out this is going to work, not going to work. What's the risk, whatever. So yeah, challenge directly, but demonstrate that you also care personally. If you can do those two things, I'm not saying tell people you care about them, demonstrate how you care, a text message. Yeah. Right. So I oftentimes go, even if you're not totally self-aware and you, you kind of know, or people have told you you're, you're really assertive, maybe to the point where it seems like you're kind of a tool sometimes. Yeah. If you just round that out by caring personally and demonstrating that, it evens out in kind of a healthy way. Yeah. No, no one needs you to not be you. But if you're working with the team, you're working with a team, man. Like you, yeah. you got to figure it out, yeah. right? So I don't know if that's much of an answer. But, well, but if you do that, I like, I like the idea of rounding off the yeah. edges. Mm-hmm. It's like, because then being abrasive or being acerbic turns into being tough. Or man, he's just such a strong, like, assertive leader. I like that about him. Yes. Whereas six months ago, it would have been, man, that guy's such a jerk. He rubs everybody the wrong way. Right. So most leaders love to know they've got someone who's in there who can take a punch, who's resilient, who's tough, who's going to get it done, but work, but, but humble yeah. or pliable. Right? We can deal with that all day long. In fact, some may say like, I like that a lot. Right. But it's usually when we don't round that out that we get into some trouble. Okay. And then That's what good. was D? Demonstrate. So uh, once you figure okay, out, we, we went through that. Got yeah. It. Once you figure it out, you got to demonstrate it. You got to be intentional. Okay. So that was that's a lot. The, that's the perception part. Mm-hmm. Now the next was people. Yeah. And so how does that, is there another layer to that? Like in the, in the, in the P's, mm-hmm. where does the people thing show up the most? Well, you know, if, if I can't get into the room, one, I'm addressing the perception. If I've done that, the next level is to try to align yourself with, you know, the right people. And so Typically, they, you know, there's a thought in kind of corporate leadership that you've got mentors, sponsor, sponsors, and advocates. Mentors tend to not be in your organization. It's someone who's investing in you, but both of you guys kind of have to get to know each other. You know, it's that kind of thing. Everybody kind of knows what a mentor is. A sponsor, on the other hand, is someone who's willing to be in the room and stick their neck out for you. Mm. They're willing to go, oh, this thing on the agenda? Yeah, Lee wants 100 grand. I don't know, but whatever Lee says, I would listen because last year when he recommended this, this, and this, it worked. A sponsor is going to stick their neck out. They're going to use their position. They're going to use their voice to literally advocate for you and get out there for you, right? An advocate, on the other hand, is just kind of one of those people who if someone does that, they're in the room going like, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> They're like the, the it's flavor just like a third party validator almost. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I've experienced this too. And what he said. Exactly. Yeah. And gang, I've gang. Seen, what's that? Gang, gang. Gang, gang. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I always see him as like the little hype man. You know, you need yeah. a hype man who's not really sure they're going to stick their neck because they're worried about the social cred or whatever, like right. just kind of obnoxious, but it is what it is. They're, they're one though, who may plus one the vote on you, you know? Yep. But it's not just a yes man. It's not just a, well, they just go along with everything. It really is somebody who can see the value in the idea and the process and is, you know, is giving a, a plus one to, to the process. Yes, exactly. And so most of us are looking for mentors in our lives. We may have some advocates, maybe. Most folks don't cultivate the relationships with people who will be a sponsor for them. Right. That's a big deal. And the the thing that once you've dealt with perceptions, the thing that tends to accelerate the the green lights in your life and work and ministry is having the right people around you that will sponsor your team's endeavors or your endeavors. Usually a sponsor, you know, that's in the room is the person that gets you in it if you're not in there. Right. Right. They they go, Lee has has demonstrated the way he leads his team, the ideas they're bringing to a senior team all benefit the organization in ways that that are aligned with our objectives. Yeah. Get him in the, or her in the room. Yep. Right? So 
I, I'm at risk of oversimplifying it, but you can see how if you deal with perceptions and you have the you have those sponsors in the room working with you or in the organization, how much it just helps accelerate things. And a good way to do that so is good. just line those pockets with cold hard cash, <laughs> some cigars, some nice wine. You know, yeah, you, we, greens fees, yeah. barbecue. <laughs> we're joking, but I learned this such the hard way, man. Like I. I not only, I still don't really like political environments. I hate, I hate it. it. But early on in my career, like I made the mistake of, of kind of slapping that label on anything that was like social, social event gatherings. Yeah. If I knew people were going to, you know, do certain things that were work related. And I just perceived it as like, these guys are just like brown nosing. I'm not playing this game. I'm going to go. I'm just working hard and doing my job. Yeah. A lot of that hurt me early on because yeah. while there there always is going to be politics as long as humans are involved, it also like killed a lot of just connection, yeah. camaraderie, understanding and learning, like understanding the people around me, my leadership's needs, my team's needs, like that's super important. There's a lot of relational capital that you can build in those social environments that you can't ever get in just a day-to-day -day grind work scenario. Totally. And that relational stuff is really what's going to be the difference maker for a lot of what we're talking about. Absolutely. And that currency, I think, is different with every organization, every friend group, every family. I mean, this applies to lots of places. Yeah. So for me, it I can't say too much here, <laughs> but it it was a little bit of that country club thing. It was the, you got invited to this guy's house, you're going to go sit at that fire pit. And it was a little bit of like, it was some games you had to play. Yeah. But I've seen other churches, and I think the majority probably aren't like that, I hope, that it's just, can you have an honest conversation with someone, get to know them, ask about their family, develop a genuine friendship Yeah, that's real, and it's based in something that's more authentic, and it's not really a political game, but it's still strategic at the same time, and I think that's okay to do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that <laughs> we could both spend a lot of time probably on that political topic, you yeah. know, but one thing that, that I've passed along to my team a lot is in those environments that are really political, uh, I've tried to push, you know, to, to the team, you can't always change culture, but you can change the climate, the climate on your team, the climate in your area. So even if as a leader, I have to step into these circles that tend to be way more political than I enjoy. I'm going to do so very purposefully. I want to figure out what are the tier one problems. I want to figure out like, how does my team be successful in this environment? Man, I can't change your guys' culture. Most, a lot of times, as big as that organization may, a lot of organizations may be, I may not be able to change it, but I can go in there, be purposeful and try to maintain a healthy climate yeah. with my team, you know? So that's how I've tend to navigate, but sometimes it doesn't work and you need to, you need to transition, right? Yeah. So it's up to you, but my whole goal is just to give people tools. That's that's really it. You know? That's great. Yeah. And in the environments when it's not political, when it's not toxic, when it's not narcissistic or whatever, those those moments are the times that help establish uh, a good and healthy perception. Because it's, hey, outside of work, man, Nathan was just a pleasure to hang out with and i saw the way he interacted with his kids and my kids and gosh this is a guy that i just i, I have a level of trust that wasn't quite the same as it was before because i saw him in an environment that was social and comfortable and mm -hmm. everybody's guard was down and man this is a great guy nathan bong is a great guy <laughs> i know that's actually who i was thinking of. i bet you were <laughs> but 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 that's the that's the idea right is that um it's in those sort of offline environments when those interactions are so positive that the perception within you know that leader or the rest of the team can really be shaped in such a way that goes, gosh, there's a level of trust that may not have been there before yeah. because of that. So it's huge to take those opportunities when they come up. Absolutely. Yeah, you can unpack them. And I like the word you said, Lee, you said currency. I think that's really, really smart because it is like that. There's a lot of different currencies, but in some places, some are more valuable than others. Yep. Right? Like speed is a currency that some organizations trade on. It's all they care about. Yep. So 
if you're pitching ideas that make you faster, you know, it makes the team faster, yep. it makes production faster, that idea is probably going to be listened to with a little bit different weight than this makes us more systematic. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's not the currency they trade on. No. Right. It's not to say it's not important, but it's on us as individuals to kind of judge and understand how does this organization of many people operate and what currencies are we trading on here? Yep. Totally. That's really good. So we have perception, people, and then what's our third P? The pitching or the, presenting. The actual presentation. Yeah. And so most folks, we tend to lead with data. You know, we, we tend to lead with technical specs. Do we need these 8K cameras? Because yes. you got to have more Cause, Ks. Because 8K. Because right. ESPN's got them. Right. Yeah. And your audience may not know, you know, the difference between a 4K and 8K. Right. right. They, they just know the dollar amount. Yeah. Um, so that may not be the way to lead to that audience. Um, you know, so the way we pitch it and pitch to me, you know, I think people get a, a different feel like that. That tends to bring a different emotional response to people when they hear that word. But it's essentially just trying to package your idea in a way. I think about, you know, the the dirt in a capsule, <laughs> like it's the, the, the dirt may not be appetizing. If you just taste it, whatever's in the vitamin capsule doesn't taste very good when yep. you just taste it. Right. But you put it in the capsule. So it's digestible. Yep. And, and there are a lot of times, especially in the technical or creative world world where there's a lot of moving parts, you really do need to think about how is this digested? And I'll tell you why this is so important when you're not in the room, whatever you're saying, most likely if you're lucky, that that will be how they present it to the group. But there's always degradation to your message. Yep. <laughs> so if you say, we need new cameras, how much is it going to cost? A hundred grand. They're going to walk into a meeting. Apparently, the tech guys need X. It's been framed in a certain light. Yeah. There's no story. It's not connected to any mission or purpose. Like, so Even if you did it perfectly, even if you did it Hey, what I'm going to talk to you guys about today, I believe is going to help us reach our church's 2022 vision of three new campuses in three years and reaching 300 people in three different zip codes because churches like to rhyme and have the same numbers. Sure. And then you lay out <laughs> this plan of how a new broadcast um, equipment is going to help reach X amount of people. Like you nail it. You nail the pricing. You say, this isn't a Lamborghini. This isn't a Ford. This is a, it's a Toyota. Right. You know, you do the, you do everything. <laughs> And then Sounds you like leave. you've done this before. Yeah, right? And then you leave. <laughs> yeah. It still gets translated in a degrading way. You lose 50% of that probably. So that's why you have to go 150% in hopes that when it does get brought back up again and they talk about it, you've left such a remarkable imp impression that they give it justice. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that I'm asking oh, yeah. a question. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And the more that that story has or that pitch has these elements where if you can agitate a problem, a problem we all care about, humans tend to listen, right? Like all of us, every human has a built-in spam filter. Our brains have to have it. We can't process infinite amounts of information, right? If, yep. if, think about it. Like the people who are listening, if you have somebody who comes into your apartment, hey, or your department, hey, can I have a couple minutes? Your brain's automatically going, is this dangerous? Is this novel? Is this important? Is it is this going to help? If not, you tend to kind of be like, I'll get back to you. However, you're going to do that. Yep, that's good. Their brains have spam filters too. And so what we tend to do is we tend to think about the tech specs and all the stuff we're doing using the neocortex, the more sophisticated parts of our brain. We think that if I explain to you all the work that we've done, right, in our first initial engagement, when we're talking about ideas, right, uh, that you'll get it. You'll use the same brain, part of your brain, to process. And it, it doesn't work like that. What happens is the neocortex, the smart part of your brain, actually talks to the crocodile brain of the listener. The crocodile brain is the amygdala, the part that processes things. It first goes, is this important? Should we listen? So the real practical side, I know we're getting all on a brain science no, here. This is I love fantastic. This. The moment you walk into a meeting and it's your time on the agenda, and the people in, your, in the room all of a sudden start looking at their phones. What's happened essentially is the crocodile brain, the spam filter is like, it's not I'm important. Out. I'm out. I'm out means I'm saving the limited amount of attention in my brain, right? Because we have finite amount of attention for something really important or dangerous. So that's why when I pitch 
I'm always looking to scare you a bit. I'm I'm creating tension. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not trying to manipulate. So you pull a gun out and you pitch No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to create some tension. Yeah. And I usually do that around a real problem. 30% of our audience is not coming back. If I say something like that, yeah. you look, if you're looking at your phone, like maybe, maybe something's really wrong. Yeah. Right. So tension creates attention. So like the pitching piece of it is really important. And again, you don't have to be super sophisticated. Oftentimes just thinking through why is this important? Why should they listen? How does this benefit is really all that needs to happen. Well, and I think if you have the, if you have that part of it in terms of, let's say the color commentary mm-hmm. is compelling and then you have the data to back it up, you know, too many of, too many of us in the tech space would lead with the technical and try to tell a story sort of on the back end of that maybe a better idea is to flip the script and provide the color first and then leave them with something printed that says, here's the actual nuts and bolts, technical specs, budget, proposal type thing, but don't bore them with all those details from the get-go. Actually, I love, I love that tension idea. Tension causes attention. Mm-hmm. Just frame it in such a way that you're about solving a problem, not just presenting a good spreadsheet. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. When I have somebody who I've already built some kind of trust and then I realize they are solving a problem I care about, even if they're telling a story and their pitch is you know, really compelling, the level of confidence is such that I tend to just go, if we can make the call right now, we were just talking beforehand about a vendor who decided Here's what the facts are. Here's what we're trying to do. Yeah, go ahead and do it. Yep. That's the best scenario. Right. When you're bringing things you need and your leadership just goes, yes, that makes sense. Go do it. Yep. That's, that's where we want to be. Never happens. <laughs> <laughs> it, nine out of 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more than that. It's pretty rare. Yeah. But I think all, but what's also rare is that you know we tend to spend very little time thinking through how we're going to present these pretty big asks in a lot of in a lot of occasions how we're going to present that what perceptions are working against myself or the team and how do we align ourselves with the right people there right if you go into a room uh, and you have two or three people in there that are already bought in on your idea they're just like this makes so much sense i guarantee you it's it's the res- the reception to that idea yep. is so much different right so i think we can invest more in those areas personally it's so good it's awesome so I'm thinking about all this and then I'm thinking of some of the people listening. They're probably going, I don't have that skill set and I don't want that. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. What would you do if you're them? I, I think maybe recruit some help. Like you may have someone on your volunteer team that this is what they do Monday through Friday. Maybe they work in an environment where they're doing this or they're in sales or they're who knows what, or maybe there's someone else on your staff that you can partner with and create an ally or a sponsor, a sponsor or an yeah. advocate out of that. Yeah. Maybe somebody like if you're highly technical, maybe there's somebody on the communication side who gets the stats and knows that that 30% is really in trouble. So maybe they could advocate with you because they understand the problem in a way that's different from your need about the technology and maybe form an alliance that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a beautiful thing when you can just be self-aware enough and open and communicate to a decision maker or a leader, you know, here's what I will bring to the table. Here's what you can count on. I just, it's not me. Yeah. Right. Like even that goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I just like gear and I know how it works. Like, I promise you nothing here is going to break on my watch or it's always right. going to be working on my, whatever, yeah. however it is. Like, I think that being intentional, even at that is, is really helpful. But I will also say like to challenge folks, no one's going to care about our career and work and no one should more than us. Mm. No one, the days have changed where companies would invest in you for 30 years, pay for college, did like, Times are changing, you know? And so if if you're also going to be the person who's like, I don't want to do any of this, this is not me, but I'm also going to complain when I don't get my way or I can't have any influence or any voice in things, oh. like those two things don't work. So 
Yeah. Because the majority <laughs> of the decisions that affect us happen when we're not in the room. Whether you work for a church or a corporation, that is the reality. So you have to pick. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about getting in the room and winning the room. So let's jump in off what you just said. What about staying in the room? Like how, what's that process like of actually getting to the point where you have the credibility and the track record and all that to, to be called on first instead of having to win the right to have the conversation. It's like, okay, now I'm, I'm in the room and I want to stay there. Mm -hmm. What, how does that get nuanced? Yeah. So ultimately the stay in the room piece of this is just to constantly acknowledge that life is always changing, you know, and that's okay. That's just a part of life. There's an impermanence to things, right? So you can't rest on your laurels. You can't take things for granted and thinking this contact who this sponsor who got me in is going to be here for a while. Like you, you just can't. It, things will always change. People leave. Processes change. Disruptions happen. Organizational restructuring happens. Thing, things just happen. Yep. Uh, so having the kind of mindset that stays in that learner mindset is just really important. Um, and and that what I think that does is that constantly gets you nurturing those relationships, figuring out what the problems are, how do we adjust to solve those problems as new technologies become available, things like that. Um, so there's a lot more to it, but at a high level, it's really as simple as that. It's so good. It's fantastic. Um, before I forget this, it's kind of totally random, but I want to bring it up as we're getting close to wrapping the other night, uh, me, CJ, and Alejandro were were hanging out in Sacramento, and I remembered CJ hired me. He's the reason I came to California. Some people know that, but that was eleven years ago. He found me on Twitter and said, "Hey, come out and work for this church in Sacramento," and I did. Well, I showed up <laughs> as the audio director at one campus, and you were transitioning from being the technical director to running all of marketing, comms, worship tech, kind of all of it. And now you run your own giant agency and do really awesome stuff. <laughs> not that that's not awesome, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you handed me a flip camera. This is before GoPros. You remember those? <laughs> the little yes. flip camera. He went and bought a new flip camera, and he hands it to me and said, your job is to be a full-time journalist. You're a media creator. Go create content. And if you have the same job you have right now in three years, I'm going to fire you. And hand me the camera and walked <laughs> off. What? That's funny. I know. And now, like, look what we're doing. Like, yeah. We create content. So this is all your fault. That's funny. <laughs> no, you guys have just had the talent. Lee's had the talent. You guys have always just had that that capacity, you know, so you just needed to be pushed a bit. You were, dude, you were the one. I, I tell a lot of people. You were telling that story the other day. I just, I totally forgot about it. I think yeah. I asked you, you still got that camera? I still have it. I wonder what's on there, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know what I did? I remember I filmed something. I like turned the camera on and like held it up and was like on the console. And like, I remember doing something on it. I don't think I did anything with it. I never once released any content from well it's such an early days of like yeah we're trying to see the micro content thing yep. before it was really even like it's everything you're doing right now it totally is it's <laughs> just funny. crazy the camera's yeah. got a lot more expensive but yeah yeah we're still making content <laughs> yeah world's first selfie video for lee fields <laughs> yeah even doing the uh it makes you now and the mm -hmm. video platform a ton of that is because of your kick in the tail like Ship things early, ship prototypes. Mm -hmm. That you taught us that mm. is it doesn't have to be perfect. Like just start shipping. Yeah. That was a huge one. And then give people painkillers, not vitamins. It's like don't give people things that they that are good for them, but they don't really need them. Give them something that takes away the migraine. Yeah. And that kind of applies to like everything we just said. Like it when does. you're pitching something. Well, because once you once you have solved those problems and once you've gotten rid of the headache, mm -hmm. then you have the platform to be able to go, hey, if you really want to keep this from happening again, here's a multivitamin and some vitamin D yeah. and some exercise and some things that yeah. you didn't think you needed, but that was really the core of the problem to begin with. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that only happens through building trust and that can happen quickly if you 
take away their headache. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we finish, tell people you've done this before, but what you do, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, hire your company to take over the world, all that yeah, stuff. That's funny. Uh, yeah, so I run a, a digital agency in Sacramento, and uh, we focus on helping organizations take new ground. What that essentially means is, you know, how do we find those new opportunities? and then build out the various digital experiences and touch points that are needed to, to get it to the market. But a lot of what we do is, is, is the stuff we've talked about. Yep. You know, most organizations are talking about features and benefits, where a lot of times what we do is we come in and we try to talk about what's the end result? What's the superpower the user gets when they use your service or product? And that includes churches. Yep. Churches talk way too much, in my opinion, about you know, events and different things like that. When we should, we're going to have hot dogs before Sunday night service totally. this week. Meanwhile, <laughs> folks are going to the Calm app to learn how to meditate. That's yes. ours. We we should be teaching that. We should own that, right? So, a big part yeah. of it's a whole other, oh my gosh, whole other thing, whole right? Conversation. So, the fact that I trust Peloton and Calm to to teach me some of those spiritual discipline esque yeah. things, and not the Bible, right? Holy so, crap. so it's it, to me, it's more about identifying those opportunities and then what's the path to get there. So websites, mobile app, all that stuff is part of what we do. If it's digital, we do it. But and how do people find you? Follow you on Insta, Twitter? Yeah, CJ Alvarado, pretty much on every social profile. It's awesome. It's yeah. great. Well, thanks so much for this conversation. I know people, if you weren't taking notes, then you need to go back and listen again and get out your notepad because there's so much gold here that will help you all navigate difficult conversations, build trust with your team, just leverage your influence with leadership. I mean, all of those things are going to be so much better because of conversations like this. So thank you for your time today. I, I just, I love every time we get to talk. It's just so helpful. Yeah, I love hanging with y'all. Thanks, bro. You guys are fun. You're the best. <laughs>